We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Baseball has provided a bond between parents and kids ever since the game's first pitch. Our next guest is attempting to increase that bond in a somewhat unusual way. He has produced a colorful book focusing on Cardinals' history and iconic players to strengthen that bond even further. Ed Wheatley is the author of Incredible Cardinals. You may remember Ed as a previous guest talking about his book on the history of the old St. Louis Browns. He joins me once again in studio. Congratulations, Ed. What a, Thanks. What a pretty, colorful book. Well, it's a great book. Ed Kaler is our illustrator, and he just, you know, he hit home runs with all the pictures as we laid them out. It's more than a children's book, although that's what it is, but it's more. Well, it's absolutely more than a children's book. It's a book for all ages. And, you know, one of the things that we found with our Browns book and then subsequently the Browns movie, which were both so successful, was that, you know, people had forgotten about th- those teams and those players. And as you, as you start coming through here, we're starting to find out people in St. Louis, although, you know, we have a love affair with the Cardinals, t- too often it's the present and we forget the past. And, you know, all the great players, you hear people talking about who's Dizzy Dean or even forgetting Lou Brock, Bob Gibson. And, you know, there are some people out there who say, who's Stan Musial? And that's where, you know, it was like we triggered, you know, that memory with the Browns. And, you know, going back and doing it with the Cardinals, we want to do the same thing. Well, this is an idea that literally came out of left field, right? It absolutely <laughs> was left field and actually maybe started in a cornfield, you know, when they started talking about – what could we take the momentum of the Browns' memories and history into the Cardinals? It was, you remember how the players came out of the card field in Field of Dreams? Sure. It was, you know, I always liked that left field wall where the uh, the heroes are painted. And, uh, you know, that's the one static thing in the stadium. You know, there's the game going on in action or in the crowds. But people stare at that left field wall. And it was like, what if we brought them to life, told their story in a short uh, stanza, paragraph form, little rhyme to it to attract children with these unbelievable illustrations. But it was meant that a parent or a grandparent could read this book to their child because these are the players that created Cardinal Nation. You know, they're the foundation of this franchise. And then add their story. So you kind of pause after, you know, you're doing, you know, a Stan Musial page or a Lou Brock. You read that and you're talking with, look at the pictures here with the children. And you can go in and talk about, I saw... Lou Brock steal 104, 105, or how he did this in the World Series. It's, that becomes the bond between the parent and the child or the grandparent. That's where I, I said, you know, for, and we're finding the feedback. It's only been in the stores this week. Immediately as people are recognizing, I want to share this with my, my ch- grandchild mm-hmm. or, or parent, you know, it's it's that valuable of a memory. Not not everybody is familiar with that with that wall in the ballpark. It just gives some sense of of who's there and and why it's there. Well, you know, it started with you know the Dodgers, the White Sox, and Atlanta. They, they first put these murals of their their stars, generally Hall of Famers, are, are stars in the in the and the Cardinals put out there in left field in, in Bush Three this picture of the the Hall of Famers, and then there were other players. Who you know, like Kenny Boyer's not a Hall of Famer, but his number retired. So it's really the retired numbers, you know. And there's other Hall of Famers who aren't in there, and we'll you know we'll address them later. But it's also who, the big question as you build this crescendo of all this these heroes who are there now. Who would be next? Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of puts a a discussion also between 
parent, grandparent, and child, who would you think should be there next? Yadi, Albert? And that was one of the my thoughts was to have that picture you'll see towards the back painted where Yadi and Albert are standing in the outfield just behind shortstop looking at the wall, you know, saying, you think we're good enough to be up there? Yeah. Well, and, and Ed really captured uh, their images very well, well. It's almost a caricature, but it's, for, it's, but it's more than that. Well, it's more than a caricature. You know, like we wanted something like, uh, you know, Lou Brock. We took these base pictures I laid out. And then he added, like, you know, dragster with the fire behind a car running or, you know, we've got, you know, holding the bases, steals, or we've got, you know, from Bob Gibson, you remember going back as a child, the old cartoons, the screaming fastball, you know, here comes the ball with the mouth and, you know, and that, or, you know, and Gibson tying up the Tigers. And um, it, it's that type of thing that we, we really wanted to jump at people with the brilliance of his, his artwork, his color, and... Uh, Create the memories. It, and it really provides a, a teaching moment in so many ways. I'm thinking most recently with the passing of Red Shandienst. Oh. This is an opportunity to, to to remember him in a different way. Well, it was, you know, and actually the Post uh, is part of uh, one of their reviews and uh, during the time of his death pointed out our story because in, in the thing about Red, we had his picture with multiple arms because he's got a bat, he's got a, a ball, he's got a glove, mm-hmm. he's got a clipboard, he's got World Series trophies that, you know, Red could do it all, and all these things he did. And we told that then into our little stanza line of uh, of rhyming about his history. Now, you mentioned uh, Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he belong on that wall? He's not a, he's not a cardinal. He was for a while, but he belongs someplace else now. Well, that's, that's going to be, a, a, a I guess you'd say it's a gray area right now to yeah. be determined. You know, he's got that long-term contract. Once he quits playing ball, can he even come back? I mean, he was when he was here for his years, 11 years, was one of the greatest players who ever played the game. I mean, you can't take that away. And it's going to be an interesting decision how the Cardinals uh, take that and portray that. Now, I'll ask you this. You're, yeah. you're a big fan, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some people would argue that Albert Pujols did a, a, a real favorite of the St. Louis Cardinals by leaving and leaving that, uh, that big money contract mm-hmm. on the table so the money could be used for uh, purchasing other players and paying other players. Uh, you know, that, that is, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you know, there, are, there have been a lot of big contracts signed by free agents sure. that have not panned out. You know, unfortunately, Albert's had a lot of injuries with the Angels. The Angels you know, have one of the best players now and today, uh, you know, this decade's version of Albert Pujols and Trout. And, you know, they're still not in the playoffs. Would the, the, the Cardinals have been better or worse? You know, that's the beauty of baseball. You know, the old uh, hot stove league where you can almost debate any rhyme or reason of baseball. But, you know, they did invest money. They had some good teams. Probably could use some investment right now <laughs> the way they've played cool. lately. But, you know, it – you're right. There, you know, that would have been a big outlay in what would have been the change dimension, you know, especially when you looked at his injuries that occurred in Los Angeles. Do you think baseball is in any trouble? Well, I think there was a – I was reading an article this morning. I think there is some trouble. I think, you know, when we did the Browns book, there was only baseball in that time. There wasn't mm-hmm. hockey, b- basketball, football. There wasn't even television. The world in the country, especially fighting wars and depression, the one good thing they had was baseball. Now there's so many distractions. And there's things inside the game that really need to be fixed. Now, instead of Earl Weaver or some manager running out and screaming at an umpire, we have to sit and watch the umpires, I mean, the managers look backwards and wait to see what the replay, and then will there be a replay? Look, and we delay times. You go back prior to 1974 with the advent of, like, Mike Marshall at the Dodgers and the relief specialists, you'd only see one or two pitchers 
in a box score for a team. Mm-hmm. Now there can be six, seven, eight, and each one of those adds a time. I think it's the time that it takes to play a game. You know, we had games played in an hour and 10 minutes, in, you know, in the 40s, the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're three, three-and-a-half-hour ventures. It's, it's, uh, I can remember back in the day when, when the relief pitcher um, for today might have been the starting pitcher yesterday. That is correct. I mean, it was. <laughs> you, you just didn't have these relief specialists changing pitchers on every batter. And I think that's what the you know, people are starting to get weary of that. It's like, you know, I'm sitting here and we're losing the action. Well, it's a, it's a three-hour game now yes. for, for all intents and purposes. And, and you've alluded to this, but the, the things they have done to speed up the game have actually slowed down the game. That's correct. I mean, you know, think about all the replay. You know, the umpires are there for a reason. Let them make the yeah. call and you accept that and it's over. You can argue, but it's every pitch, almost every play. Let's see if it, we're going to, you know, look at the replay. And it's, you know, it's, it's sitting and waiting for the home runs now. Go back to Whitey Ball, you know, and there's action because there isn't really the action. I mean, when they're getting teams are having more as a whole team strikeouts than a team has as hits, that tells you something needs to change. Do, you, have you lost any of your enthusiasm for the game? I know it's at a very high level, probably higher than most. No, I mean, it, I mean, you get some impatient. I mean, I still play baseball, you know, about 80 games across the country in senior leagues. Uh, I still go to 30-plus games a year down at uh, Bush Stadium. You know, I'm still energetic, but, you know, you can see how people, their patience is changing, you know, for the game. There's distractions, and you just hear so many people say, you know, I I did this and this, whereas, you know, our generation or parents' generations, you know, you could walk around your subdivision. There was no air conditioning in those days. You could follow the game everywhere because everybody had the baseball game on, the screens were open, and that was life. Today, that's not the same. Yeah, it, back in the day, the kids would go out and play ball all day with a baseball wrapped in friction tape that's after right. the cover had worn off. Now they do have those distractions, the game, yeah. video games and the, the phones and the tablets and, and all the rest of it. That's right. Yeah. You know, you would go out and play. First 18 there, played, played during the day, and you waited until somebody got called to go home. Yeah. You, you mentioned the Browns book uh, earlier and the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, how well did that actually do? I mean, the Browns are long gone. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, with the Browns, we have just a remarkable – we're still giving talks about the Browns around the area and across the country. People are just coming and coming. And we've got our annual Browns um, reunion luncheon July 12th. Don Larson will be in town with a bunch of the other Browns. The perfect game, Don Larson? The Don perfect game. He was a rookie with the Browns in 1953 before he was part of the move to Baltimore and then traded to the Yankees. The film set an all-time record first-night viewership. They tell us from Channel 9. Uh, they keep repeating it by people calling in, we want to see it. We're actually working on a sequel uh, with them. And uh, it's just the memories that were brought out by baseball and the Browns. It was an innocent time. It was an innocent game. And it was a, it's fond memories of what people have come to us with. And it's part of the uh, old slogan, first in booze, first in shoes, and last in the American League. That's the right. last in the American League part was, right. the Saint, was the St. Louis Browns. That's right. But, you know, the film has already won. HLK, I can't speak highly enough. They're a local production mm-hmm. company. We've won two Cleos. We've won a telly, and hopefully we'll win a local Emmy here pretty soon. Well, congratulations to you on that. And I think we're talking about trying to get more interest in the game of baseball. Your book will help to do that, focused on another generation. Thank you. That's what we want to do.
Good luck with you. Tomorrow there's a signing also. I understand you're going to be at Christopher's. Christopher's tomorrow, Abigail's on uh, Sunday, and we've got signings throughout probably the next three weeks. That's correct. Good. That's a good sign for a, for a brand new book. And, you know, we also want to make sure we're set, when I set up my books that there's a charity and we're working with the Cardinals in the St. Louis County Library and the Barn to Read Association with this book for the, for the royalties. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is produced by Alex Hoyer, Evie Hemphill, and Laura Hamden with production assistance from Aaron Dorr, Caitlin Lally, and Charlie McDonald. Executive producer is Mary Edwards. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thanks for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>